times would you say that you have reinvented yourself? I'm talking personally and career-wise. Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> does being married and divorced a few times count? It does. It probably does. Because <laughs> I think that's a, a major life reinvention, is it not? Aside, and then of course, the career paths. I've been a hairdresser, a retail manager, a executive assistant to the vice president of a major energy company, worked in law offices. I'm 53 years old, been in a few hats. <laughs> well, and I have figured it out. I've had 20 different jobs uh, before I decided to start my own business. And to be honest, I didn't really embrace what I wanted to do until I'd spent almost two years career coaching after the 2014 downturn. As it turned out, telling everyone else that maybe being laid off was an opportunity to pursue their passion finally sunk in for me too. So I made that move. Funny how that works. Right, isn't it? <laughs> Physician heal thyself. But it took two years of me saying that. And so now that we've kind of given everyone a feel for today's topic, let's get to our guests. From Edmonton, we have a former teacher turned communications advisor turned corporate event festival consultant. Uh, Monique McDonald. Welcome, Monique. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, really excited about uh, having this conversation with you ladies. And from Calgary, she's a former lawyer, mom, not a former mom, uh, turned, re <laughs> turned real estate agent, turned brokerage owner, turned pol senior political staffer, and now e-commerce company founder, Emma May. Welcome, Emma. Thank you. Nice to be here. Nice to see you all. Monique, I'm going to start with you because it was our conversation that actually inspired me to put this episode together. And you had responded to my comment on Twitter after Kenny's announcement that all conference and banquet services were going to be suspended. The statement that I made was, who's still having conference and banquet services? And <laughs> you were like, no one. So tell me a little bit about that because I, I hadn't realized what you were about to tell me. It actually is um, the profession or event of event organizer and uh, conference organizer is not really thought about often by the average person. They attend an, you know, an event, they attend a conference, a banquet, and yeah, they think that the people who uh, put it together whether it's a business or companies or an organization did all the work, mm -hmm. but behind all those people is another person, the one who puts it all together, the one who's hired by these people to put it together because you, it, there's a lot involved in that. It's uh, it's not only the meetings, it's not only the food, it's not only when things start, it's not only the microphones, it's not only the AV equipment, contacting people, invitation writing, arranging for uh, Zoom meetings before, after. The list is never ending, but it is one person 
behind all of that, that is the, I like to call it <laughs> um, the, the, the ringmaster of the circus. And that's a very difficult position to be in. That's a really difficult position to be in, not just um, economically, financially speaking. It is true that this this pandemic and the requirements of it and the restrictions of it are having an effect on our mental health. Not working for that long, being out of work for that long is... uh, it definitely has an effect on us psychologically. And I think for Albertans, it's also compounded by the fact that we've had a couple years now of some, some really horrible Downturn. financial situations in our province. We've seen um, the bottom fall out of the LNG industry. We know how that affected a lot of families when there were mass layoffs. So for Alberta, for other provinces, while the pandemic is a crisis right now, Alberta was already in crisis. And so for us, this is crisis squared. I guess one could say it's an exponential crisis that just came at the worst possible time for our economy and our population that was already experiencing some pretty high unemployment. Emma, you just recently moved from... um, were you doing real estate before you opened Sophie Grace? I'm I'm still in the um I'm still in the balancing mode launching so launching a side well it's not a side project anymore it's a full scale operation mm-hmm. uh, and gorgeous clothing. Oh, I'm just gonna put the plug in there for you because oh, it is gorgeous you. quality classic clothing that women love. It's gorgeous, thank but you. do carry on. Yeah, so I've been. I've been doing the real estate business and I have, I founded a brokerage in Calgary called Charles Real Estate. And we've got about, I think we've got about 50 some realtors now working for us. So I've got business partners in that. And then I also have my own clients who I work for and do, you know, buy and sell real estate with them and work in that market. And I'm lucky because I've been pretty successful in that space. And that allowed me, and so what I would do, I'd literally like sell a house and, you know, take the money, you know, let's be clear. I'm pretty privileged. I have, my husband has a full-time job too. So I didn't need to pay all the bills with our, with, with my salary. And I used that to fund this other project called Sophie Grace. So that happened when I was standing in my closet one day and I was like, why does nobody make, make some match separates for women? Because I just feel like we get dressed for the office in a very different way. And in my professional roles, I wasn't just grabbing a suit. I would grab like my favorite top and then a pencil skirt or like the blazer and a pant that would go with it. But, you know, in the office, maybe I was just wearing a a sweater with the pencil skirt. And I was like, why does nobody sort of make this so that the colors always match all the time? I thought, yeah, let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Sell it online. And uh, let's figure out how I'm going to go about doing that. Uh, So yeah, I used, I used what was my day job to help me launch um, this new, this new project. And, you know, the learning curve was, uh, shall I say, steep. Uh, Well, especially (laughs) you, you launched fairly close to the start of the pandemic too. Oh yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. I'm selling office clothes (laughs) when when no one can go to the office. And so I've actually been like supremely lucky in that, you know, the stuff that we were, that we were creating and selling has multiple applications, right? I was, I wasn't just stuff that 
is only suitable for an office environment. And that's something that, you know, we embrace really as we go forward with the business now. To be honest, launching something during a pandemic is maybe the best time to launch something because you get all the shit out of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely terrified. Everybody's absolutely terrified. Figure out what's not going to work really, really quickly. Lucky because it was an online business model. I wasn't going into this with like retail space that I'd, that I'd locked up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it did impact sort of a whole lot of our marketing strategy and how we were going about connecting with our customer. We were then really locked into an online model. When I came up with the idea, our initial plan was to do a lot more marketing around like business to business and being at women's events yeah. and being at, you know, and ha allowing women to touch and feel the clothes, see things in person before they placed an order, all of that kind of stuff. So that we weren't, we weren't able to execute on. Well, you started event, out with attending the events that Monique plans, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was, that was part, that was our whole strategy um, yeah. was a big part of that. So we had to, we had to move away from that, but yeah, you, you learn quickly and you make decisions quickly and you, and you, uh, yeah, you have to be ready to change. You know, <laughs> I think though that that, that really shows how um, perhaps women are more accustomed to reinventing ourselves because we are required to wear more hats on a daily basis anyways. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's so many different areas. We talk about the emotional labor at home, not to mention the physical labor at home doing the majority of the work when it comes to children. And yes, I'm not saying all men. I know some of you boys, <laughs> the few who might be listening to us, <laughs> I know that some of you are very involved husbands and very involved fathers. I know my husband, his priority is his daughter and it's a new generation of men who are much more involved. But traditionally and historically, women have had to cover every aspect, every area, wear every hat while still maintaining a career over the last, especially over the last two, two to three decades. And I think that's pushed us towards being uh, more adaptable to any given situation because we've spent decades adapting already. How much do we think that uh, support we received not only from our, our significant others, but from women in the community, how much did that help each of you reinvent yourself? Like Emma, when you were, when you were looking to fulfill this dream of Sophie Grace, was it support at home that helped you to be able to do that? Was it friends? What really gave you the, the base you needed to move forward on that dream? A couple of things. I mean, I, but I, I did have support at home for that, which was great. I mean, it's a, I call it the wave, right? It's like, are you really doing this thing? Like how much money are you putting into this? What is going, like, you know, so, I mean, oh, yeah. so, so, so the support's there. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think as I, I think is it, you know, at first it was sort of like viewed as like my hobby, you know, I don't know, like, and, and now it's like, oh, this could actually be an enterprise, <laughs> right? And we're, you know, we're, we're going through, like, right now I'm going through putting together, like, a like a pitch deck to do sort of a fundraising round, and we're, like, we're kind of at that stage, and we're sorting out share structures and growing the company exponentially, right? So I'm, I'm but through the process, it was, 
it was a few things. I mean, I remember a friend of mine actually who I worked with in the premier's office when I worked for Prentice, uh, Bartek gave me this book. I think it was called Black Sheep. And um, it was all about selling stuff on the internet. He was just like, hey, my friend wrote this book. You should read it. And I was like, oh, totally. I'm totally going to read this. And, and that, and, and that kind of, you know, sparked things. And then I had sort of the vision when I was in my closet. Um, and then it was like, oh, maybe I'll just sort of apply the, the lessons of this book to what it was that I was doing. My friends think I'm crazy and I kind of am, but, but, you know, my community's actually been really, really supportive since, you know, I think when I, when I first started doing it, they were like, well, what do you know about that? And it was like, well, nothing really, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, we'll find, yeah. we'll find the right people to help me figure it out. And I'll find really smart people in this space. And they're the ones that we're going to, you know, empower to help me make these decisions and these things. But, and so my friends and community really have come to back I me. And it's interesting, both my working mom friends and my non-working mom friends. And, uh, you know, my, my, the professional network in my community has been incredibly supportive as I embark on this crazy new venture. Well, Emma, when one of us shines, all of us shine. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's true. I mean, it is true. It's very and, true. And it's been, a one of the things that I actually love the most about what I've been able to do with this company is I'm, I'm recruiting a lot of talent who were in the same position that I was. 10, 15 years ago, right? So I've got a woman working for me. She's been with me from day one out of Vancouver. She used to work for Lululemon. Um, she was a senior product manager with them. When I started, I was like, I need to find someone who knows about product and how to actually make product because the mm -hmm. focal point of this whole thing is actually product excellence. So how do we, how do we dive into that? And I managed to find her because she was a state, she was leaving, she left a senior position at Lulu because she had two kids at home. Um, who were four and six and she needed and her husband was working a very senior job and she needed to um, find a way to be more the parent that she wanted to be and yet still use her talent and so what happened was I got this incredible opportunity to have access to this woman who is incredibly skilled and she is like oh my god I can do super interesting high level work and you really don't care if we're doing a Zoom call and my eight and my six-year-old's pulling my hair. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I really don't give a shit. Just like, <laughs> let's, get, let's just get, like, let's get this stuff done and let's work together. And so, and now I've got, you know, I'm recruiting a fashion designer. I used to work with um, Balenciaga and Chloe, who was in the same position. She's pregnant. She's looking at like, you know, so we're looking at coming, her coming on board as well. I've got someone who's a writer looking at sort of some more content development stuff. So I've been able to really start building this team of, women who get to do both things, right? Get to wear all of these hats with the idea that later on, and I have my eye on someone else who I want to bring on to as potential future CEO, who, you know, is, is sort of facing some of these same sort of questions and challenges with another major fashion brand where she, you know, is really sort of stuck in the rigidity of a system that will not accept that she has other um, multiple commitments and yeah. that she can actually get it all done probably you know she just needs flexibility as to how to do that so that I think that then begs the question if if the pandemic itself has perhaps provided women with opportunity glass half full with opportunity as far as diversifying how we work 
Yes. Are, are we moving so. now I to? I think it's normalized it more, right, Kathleen? Like I think it's I think it's I think it's become now this thing where men and many men are still decision makers as to how women work. Let's be real about that. You know, in terms of like they're the boss of a company or whatever it is, they're a senior level manager. I think it's made the I think it's made it people realize that there are other ways to work and that you can get things done. And that really at the end of the day, it's about the quality quant of, of your product and your productivity. It's right. not about how it is that you got there. But it also makes me think how, how we've sort of been kept out of boardrooms, kept out of those top floor corner suites. And the excuse for that was often, well, your responsibilities at home and you can't spend this many hours working because you have children and what if one of your children gets sick or what if you, we hire you and you decide to get pregnant two years from now or we give you this promotion and you get married. I think the pandemic has, has allowed us to see that women can be in those positions and still be effective in their homes if we diversify the way we are in the workforce. Absolutely. Because historically, it's been if you want to play with the big boys, you got to show up where the big boys are. But they're now in our playground. Exactly. And now they're, they're kind of having their eyes open to, well, the complexities of working at home, but also how unnecessary a lot of being in the office is. Oh, my husband has said now he's gone completely paperless. He literally works on a little table with the computer and the cell phone. And he's, uh, he was just blown away. And he, he said to me, you've done this for years. You, at first I was like, how do you do it? How did you manage all these years? My goodness, because there's a lot of things to do and manage and become focused. Working from home isn't easy. It's not for everyone. You have to be focused. I, I found myself that I surrounded myself with different people as, as, I matured and my positions advanced. I, I still have my original friends, but I've developed a, a larger group of friends and acquaintances that are very, very supportive. They're like-minded. And I have been actually uh, working with and for women. I found that they were greater cheerleaders. They were not, they were not doing me favors of, by giving me the jobs. Mm-hmm. I always felt with men and I've worked very well with men, but I always found sometimes it's as if like, even they didn't say it, you felt like, look at me, I'm a guy and I'm, I'm giving you this job. I'm giving you the opportunity. <laughs> I am being a modern man and allowing, <laughs> allowing a woman to bloom and to have a wonderful position and move on. Right. That freaking hero. <laughs> you're equally, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. But when you're working with men and women, I'm not feeling that. What I'm feeling is that these women looked at me and they say, "Man, you've got you know you, you you've got a lot to to give. You, I I want um I want you with me. I want you on my team because you're supportive. Now I don't want to say generalization to all all men because I've I've had as of late a few gentlemen who uh, have been like that. They say, you know what, I need you on my team. Again, got to be careful. There's a lot of pretty good guys out there but I find myself that the women who have surrounded me again for example um Erin DeLoretto who is the producer of Silver Skate she's actually doing her darnest right now to keep us all employed 
uh, so that we at some point get some kind of paycheck, thinking outside the box for this festival. She's really working hard. This is one of the things I found really curious throughout the pandemic. It's, it's made me think a lot about how leadership is just assumed to be masculine, even now with women stepping into more arenas and taking a more authoritative positions, leadership is still seen as a masculine trait. And yet it's always been curious to me because just by nature of what it is to be a woman in our society and in our social construct, it is women who do the life management consistently in their homes, in in uh, their families, it's women who do the life management. So I'm wondering if we see a future where what part of what the pandemic has inspired is women moving into uh, more leadership positions without that expectation of the 24-7 dedication to a career. I now that we know it can be done from a distance, now that we we know we can engage from a distance, is that going to hurt or benefit women in the workforce in the long run, in those upper management positions? My opinion would be depending how long that pandemic is going to last. Because if it's it's done within a mid of next year, I I think it'll be easily go back into the old way. It better be done by the mid of next year. (laughs) Well, (laughs) but I I think that with a lot more men, I'm concerned. I'm concerned because I've seen that with my, with many of my friends who are home. Okay. I'm concerned that with both people home, mom who uh, has the kid hanging in or having to to help with the schoolwork while they're doing their work as well more so than than like don't bother dad mm-hmm. he's working right? he's working <laughs> but, but you're working too I, know, right? I, know. Uh, I mean the, the kids could go and ask dad but they don't because 80 percent of the dads are going to say ask your mother that's true but we do it to ourselves too I mean, yeah. we also do it to ourselves don't bother dad absolutely because you know right. what like you said we're the leaders uh a lot of women are leaders in their home. Yeah. They're really the final decision maker. I mean, you agree with your spouse and you discuss with your spouse. If you're in that kind of relationship you, or your partner, you discuss it and you come to an agreement. But half of the time, it'll be, well, whatever you want. So you end up deciding. And, and it's not that they don't want to participate in. And it is on, honestly... You know, as as long as it makes sense, it doesn't really matter to them what, what you do. Men have a different way. Major, again, I don't want to generalize. A large percentage of men honestly don't care. Mm-hmm. Am I fed? Am I dressed? Are the kids are the kids fed and dressed? Are they healthy? Are we all healthy? We got something to do? Fine, whatever. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I can't be bothered. Yeah. You know, unless it has to do with a pocketbook. Then it's a little different, you know, like, oh, can we afford what it is that we're planning? Well, and even besides when you're having children, and I did the mental math while you guys were talking there and, and just kind of thought, how many years was it for me? Because I have four children. So it was, my, my fourth was born while I was in school. So that doesn't really count. I was out of the workforce during that time kind of anyway, you know, but it was, it was still six years, right? It was six years just for the three. And those were, of course, between, or those were all in my 30s late 20s, early 30s. 
that's and that is that peak time you know i looked at when i counted up my 20 different jobs i was like and none of these none of these were on a career path by any means they were they were jobs that worked with what i needed them to work with yeah and yeah you know that's that's a consideration that that you're right so, like too many people don't have to concern themselves about whether or not this works with their life. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember having conversations myself saying, you know, you don't have a conversation with me saying, I'm going to go up north and work. You just go, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> yeah. everything, you know, and that's, and that's now too could be a personal experience, but that is the way that he was raised as well, right? They moved around for his work. And his yeah. mom had to do whatever she could find when she got there. That's my my dad was military, so yeah, I was raised in that. Right, we lived, we moved every three years, and when we got to a new city, my mom got whatever job she could. In Winnipeg, it was clerk for a major moving company. In Chilliwack, it was working the frozen broccoli line at Dole Foods, mm -hmm. at Green Giant Foods, you know, because it was whatever was available wherever my dad ended up transferred. Yeah. And sure, I, of course, with military families, that's an expectation and it works it is, as well for women yeah. in the military too. But I think uh, historically, it's always been the woman who has had to adapt and adjust for the family and perhaps perhaps the, I, I keep trying to look for little gifts in the pandemic. I know that sounds so Pollyanna. It sounds so needy, but I keep trying to look for lessons we can take from it about what's really important, what changes we need to make, what holds women back and what doesn't hold us back that we can carry forward out of this learning life lessons from the pandemic. I really think that uh, it's this pandemic has made us realize how much of the burden of society is borne by women at every level, but especially when we get down to service workers and frontline healthcare workers and education workers and how we go about changing that so that women benefit from a, benefit from a society where they are already doing the majority of the labor. Does that make sense? I agree with you. And I, I'm seeing that the pandemic, if we're looking at the positive spin that can come out of it, is that a lot of people and businesses will have realized that people can work from home. So that will save them. They're, they're, let's be honest, it's a mighty dollar, dollar that speaks. So with the economy, how it has been in Alberta and, and, and some other provinces have had difficulties as well the prairie provinces, definitely, that's saving money, less overheads, less costs. People can work from, from home and people who didn't think they could now see, I can work from home. Mm -hmm. I think we'll see a lot more home offices, which may put women at the same equal level as men that way, because there's no longer be, oh, well, you know, the, the woman needs to be working from home for kids might not be able to do it. And then they will have seen that it is doable by well, everyone. I wonder, I wonder too, because like we saw some of these when they, when the pen, when the lockdowns first started, did you see some of the reporting on the way that employers were keeping track of, of their employees online? 
right? Oh, yeah. How they were logged in, uh, whether or not there's whether or not they were inactive in front of the webcam and things like it was kind of crazy, creepy about how that was done. And, you know, I remember talking with someone else who worked from home and he was saying that he would get up or sorry, not get up, but he would start working. He said probably around 11 p.m. because he was a night owl. That's when it worked for him. That's when his brain was most functional and and that's when he would just give her. And he said until about four or five o'clock in the morning and then he would go to sleep. But he said that he was able to do that because he was working from home and they really didn't they really didn't have a, you know, a time structure on him. You have to be available between eight and five. Um, so he was able to work the hours that worked best for him. And that's something like because that did worry me a whole lot when I started to see some of that reporting coming out about how they were keeping tabs on their employees, because when when the homeschooling thing started. So yes, I was working at home and I used to do that during the day and I would be done or at least try really hard to be done by 3.30 and I would be upstairs and kids came home and, you know, chat about their day and make sure that they did chores and start getting dinner ready. Like there was a whole thing that worked. But then once education came into it, their, their setup was very different and it actually worked that he was online for half an hour. And then he wasn't online for half an hour. So my whole schedule just went to crap because I can do a little bit in a half an hour, but then to come back and get right into it again. And where was I? And it was not easy. And it took over a month, took over a month to try and get this together. And now, now they're all at home, right? The junior and senior high school kids are now at home too. And, and so it was a little bit more with timing and, and how this all works. And it was, that took some work around. Imagining that I had to be in front of my computer between these hours. I mean, my perfect time to get out of bed is four o'clock in the morning. I know. <laughs> I sent Kathleen a message one day. She's like, why? Why are you up? <laughs> but but that's, it's fantastic for me. I, I function really well. I am a night owl. I'm a recovering night owl actually. So I switched it up. I managed to start getting up during the day, right? <laughs> you know, as I had children and things or as they had a schedule. So I, but I still function really well at that time of night, but I can't stay up all night anymore because I have responsibilities during the day. So if I get up at four o'clock in the morning, I function fantastically. And then at 7.30, I'm getting the kids up and they're off to school or seven o'clock or whatever. You know, then I would work all day and then I'm in bed by 8.30 at night. Like it, it worked. I think that a lot of businesses are starting to find out now that they, they, they're not looking at the clock anymore and seeing if you're online or on working from eight till five. Right. I think a lot of businesses are, did the work get done? Was right. I able to reach you? Were we able to communicate? And if it is, then good. Yeah. Well, we're walking, we're walking undiscovered country right we're all reinventing our lives on a daily basis yeah. really yeah. we're we're finding our way through something we never have before and that's going to be true for employers too i guess what i get concerned about go ahead emma like have you heard of toby toby run who founded shopify right so mm -hmm. He talks about how they're like there's this super unhealthy culture, especially in tech and and you know law and finance and all these worlds around you know 
how much you work in a day and the hours, grinding hours. And he's just like, look, I know I'm going to get the max productivity I'm ever going to get out of somebody is really four hours a day. Yeah. Right. Like the max productivity, you know, and I think the pandemic maybe can just shift us to thinking more around those terms, right? Yes. The idea of that. I mean, I love that book by Tim Ferriss ages ago, like the four hour work week, right? But it was all about how is it that we actually learn to accept that you're not going to be doing productive work all the time, but sometimes, especially in jobs where you actually have to think it's interesting. Cause as I, like, as I build and grow the company, I have to mo- move into like CEO role and begin to manage more and delegate more. And so for me, the learning curve has been delegation and accepting that I don't need my fingers in everything. And that actually what my job is, is to think, right. And sometimes mm-hmm. that doesn't look like much. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, it, it's it, like something just has to sit in your head for a long time as you percolate on it and as you process it. And I can't sit in front of a screen and demonstrate that to you <laughs> in some way, right? And so what I hope that comes out of this is that is that we as a society collectively accept that humans have limited productivity cap- capabilities, especially when you're asking them to problem solve and think. Obviously that's different than someone who's working you know, a frontline shift right on, you know, and, and having to be sort of there all the time, but it is a, it is a way that we have to start thinking about the way we, what demands we place on our workers, especially workers who we expect to be creative. Yeah. And what, what is productivity? Yeah. I think we need to redefine what productivity is because if, if there's one thing that the pandemic has made me very aware of, it's how much time is spent thinking you're being productive, but it's just pointless activities. It's things that don't really do much to change anything in the end. Pretty much every meeting I've ever been to in my life, if I'm being honest, but it really is a a time for re-examining what we want our workday itself to look like, what we want the demands of that to be. One thing too, I found that, and this is my this is my one thing with that I think a lot of women can get better at. And that is around sort of demanding our pay, how, how much we get paid in spaces and what our worth is, but also this idea around control. Right. And I know there were like, when I was a young lawyer, I graduated with a lot of young female lawyers. And, um, you know, for many, it was sort of like, if I've got the brains, then I, I expect that I'll just sort of fall into this path at the firm and I'll, I'll graduate up to the next thing and people will give me the right work and all I'll have to do is think about it. But in many of these businesses, they are businesses and that you have to remember that they're still businesses like professions like law, real estate, but what, you know, all of these things, if they're a job and you're getting paid for it, at the end of the day, it's a business. And there's, you know, it, this is obviously outside of public sector work, but within the private sector, that means getting the client. And it means getting the file. The number of sort of sometimes professional women that I've seen not accept the responsibility of getting the work in the door. Um, and that is career limiting. To some degree, if you're the, if you know, and I'm comfortable in this space, but I had to become comfortable in that space, that eat what you kill space. And I learned, for, I learned it from my mom, who was the second female lawyer at BDP in Calgary. And she was practicing, you know, uh, 
So I'm, I grew up with a really hardworking mom who was trailblazing and was, was always sort of at the front, front lines of stuff. And she was limited because she was a litigator in a, in what was a solicitor shop. And so there were always sort of conflicts and she never really quite, she never made as much money as the male lawyers there. And she was kind of always, you know, they were always telling her what files she could take and not take. And finally she was like, fuck it, I'm out. And she founded when she was, I think she was in her late forties, she founded her own firm and ended up knew that she would be able to get her own clients. And she knew that she'd be able to get the clients in the door. And because of that, she ended up actually making way more over the course of that, that later course of her career than she would have had she stayed at the big firm because she finally was in control. You know, she finally could, you know, she was like, I can get this client in. I know what this, my billing rate's worth. I know how to control that. And that was something for me too. It was like, and, and I watched my husband learn that when he was, you know, a young lawyer, his boss gave him a credit card and said, your job is to get the files in the door. I want you to be like, you know, whining and dining all these people. I want you to be marketing them. I want you to be taking them out. I expect you to be spending X number of dollars on this. And you will then build up a client base that you will have for yourself and business relationships and learning to, so like learning to ask for the work, um, learning, you know, learning to get the file in the door, learning, because when you have that, no one controls your growth. No one can say, no one can stop where you can go with that, right? Like that's the ultimate freedom is when you know that you can actually get the work and get paid to do the work. You know, that's very, very interesting that you're saying that because remember how uh, Kathleen, you were asking a while ago, what are we gonna get out of this pandemic? How can we reinvent ourselves? How women in the situation? Um, women have not always looked into we all have a very large rich gift if you want and that gift is our connections mm -hmm. who do we know we women always underestimate themselves and what they're able to do and and how we could change jobs or how far we can climb or where we can go because i don't i don't think that we lift our own selves up enough yeah look at who you know and have have the courage because we need to have the courage to do this men don't seem to have the same problems as us yeah. we don't want to ask do the we ask, need, ladies. Well, that and we're bad ask. we're bad for not blowing our own horns exactly okay. we, we struggle to people. do that right like blow your own horn broad because if, exactly. if you Contact don't understand people. your greatness, no one else is going to understand your greatness either. Your contacts probably understand your greatness, but they, they don't know that you're open and uh, available because you're not saying anything. You're being quiet. Go out there, tell people, hey, I've done this, this and that. And you can benefit from having me on your team. You mm -hmm. can benefit from employing me. This, you know what? I don't, it's not just me and my talent. It's everybody I know that I can bring on with you. I know in my profession is I can pick up the phone and I know all these people. You, you want somebody who can do music or you want someone who's connected to somebody who's connected to someone who's connected. I can do that, right? And I think that's not just my profession. It's all of you. 
whatever whatever you do were you uh in the you know in in the parent council at school stop and think for a minute who are these people you work with for years who know what you can do because mm-hmm. even on a parent council you are you are using a lot of different talent and professional talents that you can take on another level outside of that i was a teacher i had a profession And then I had to look outside of my teaching. I had to think about my skills as a teacher. What can I do outside of teaching? What are the skills that I have that I can apply elsewhere? We have amazing skills. It's not just that if there's any ladies listening in there who who were stay-at-home moms and don't know what else they can do, or that you've done, I don't know, let's say you're, you're working in an industry that had to close down. Stop and think, what do you do at home? What are you, you know, budgeting? Oh my God, how many of us budget, especially now? Everybody can do budgeting, management, public speaking. Just think about what qualities you have. What were you doing in your job? Write it down. Think about it. Don't underestimate yourself. And then see what, where else you can use these, these yeah. qualities that you have, that experience that you've developed. Because you would be surprised where else you can use it. And then think about your contacts. Reach out to them and say, hey, you know what? This is what I can do. And I think you could benefit from it. Or do like like Emma and create your own, your Mm. own future, your own career. Go out there and grab it. It's there. It's there. Ladies, let's not hold ourselves back because, damn it, we've earned it. Yeah. And now there's another question. Did life experience build these networks for you? How would someone who doesn't think that they have these networks, how would they start to build them? So with myself, I started, and this is not an option right now, I started going to political events. That's how I built political networks. I didn't know I was building political networks at the time, but that's what I ended up doing. And that's how I started meeting people who were working in politics and could and could help teach me the things I wanted to learn so I mean one way is just to do it right that's what Carter said about the podcast he's like if you're going to do it then just do it and I'm like yeah give me a second to figure this out first like I I don't I'm ready for that but but that's that was his that was his attitude if you're going to do it just do it right and now I almost feel like that's where I am now which it was a random comment on Twitter of I would listen to all these women okay well maybe I'll do one on women that's it. That's all it took. But I had two years behind me going, okay, I know what I'm doing now, but how do you, you know, what's, what is your recommendation to women who might be looking to either build on a network? Is it just as simple as ask? Is that too easy? (laughs) We need to make it harder. Don't we? (laughs) Recognition. Ask if you want to clear it all out and, 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 and dust all the cobwebs and everything and get right down to it, yeah, ask. Go straight forward. I have to say that some of the jobs that I have had is because I went to the person and I said, I you know what, this. I can help you with this. The, the, the job as communication advisor to the mayor's office, my daughter worked in a cafe with that candidate's daughter. And I just happened to be sitting there one day having coffee. 
I went up to that person and I said, you know what? Your social media sucks. Those are my words exactly. Your social media sucks. Always good. Start with a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they looked at me and they said, would you know how to make it better? I said, damn right I could. I said, just because somebody who knows what they're doing, don't try to do it yourself. And I walked away. Two weeks later, I got a call. They found me. Another one was I, I did uh, social media for a couple of restaurants. And again, I pointed out and I said to them, your social media campaign sucks. I did translation for some big companies. And that was me pointing out to them that their translations were horrendous, horrendous. I said, please do not use Google Translate. The most horrible thing. That's a whole other conversation here. And I got, and they asked me, can you recommend anybody? And I said, yeah, I do translations. And I got those contracts. So be your best friend. Be your best cheerleader. Go, go and get it. It's scary. I mean, it is scary. But what's the worst? You're going to say no and you'll be exactly where you started at. It exactly. doesn't matter. Yeah. Emma, what were you adding to that just a moment ago? I was just saying, thinking it's, it's hard to be our best friend. I actually put up a post today on, it was a Brene Brown quote on, on the Sophie Grace Instagram. And it was talk to yourself as though you're, you're as though you're someone you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I think we are, this comes back to this. We are hard on ourselves and we are harder on ourselves than we probably, than anybody else probably is, probably holds more women back than it does, allows us to fly right? I mean, obviously, you know, there's something, you know, it's, it's good to be able to push yourself and want to learn and grow and things like that, but not if you're paralyzed with fear, looking silly or looking like, I mean, God, if I was paralyzed with fear of looking silly, I wouldn't have done half the shit that I've done. Like, you know, I mean, you're going to look silly at some point in time and you kind of have to be like, okay, well, that's okay. And take it when you take it and, and you learn from it and move on and on to the next, you know, on to, on to the next challenge you are going to make mistakes. You are going to fail at some things. Some things aren't going to work out and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, that's part of the process of, of getting there, right? Like, I mean, I've got a successful real estate brokerage. We've been through a few partners. We've bought people out. We've bought new people in. We've, you know, it's been an evolution, right? And I think our careers and our businesses are evolutions. They're not these like you know linear paths that will go down it's all a it's all a bit of a web and when you think of and and that's how I think of my life and my career and my networks and connections is much more Mm web-like right in that in that I've got you know people who are friends with my kids friends and people who are you know people I've met through this part of my life people who I've met like through a yoga class and then people I've connected to through the premier's office and people connected to when I've been in the hospital on something and they all form this network of connection around you that you can access and tap into and then sort of expand upon 